You're listening to the Mindful Weight Loss Podcast, Episode 83. It's time to look at weight loss in a whole new way. Instead of focusing on calories in, calories out, you'll learn how to use your brain to transform your body and heal your relationship with food. If you're ready to lose your weight for the last time, you're in the right place. Because it's more than what you eat. It's who you are when you're eating. This is the Mindful Weight Loss Podcast. Here's your host, life and weight loss coach, Dr. Michelle Tupman. Well, hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. If you recall, last week, we started our discussion on change. And we've spoken many times on this podcast about change in the past. And that's because it is such a hard thing to accomplish. And yet, so essential if we want our lives to look a little bit different than they do now, or if we want our bodies to look a little bit different right now, we need to be able to embrace this whole idea of change. And so last week, I introduced a concept of a five-step process for change. And And we're going to dive deep into that process today. And since I recorded the episode last week, I came up with a sixth step. Um, And I think the sixth step may even be the most important of them all. So instead of the five step process, you're going to get a six step process. And last week on the podcast, we really talked about why change is so damn difficult and how we can use our mindset and identify the things that are actually within our control to increase our chances of success whenever we embark on a journey of change. And that might be change in your body or the way you eat or your health or something at work or your relationships or whatever it is. It doesn't matter what you're trying to change in your life. The process often sucks. And we talked about how understanding the process of change and why it's so darn difficult and the very predictable sort of obstacles we bump up against when we embark on change is certainly the first step in improving our chances of success. But I think having a protocol in place and having, you know, some sort of process that you can actually follow, some sort of, you know, set of steps that you can use when you're planning your way through change can also help increase your chances of success. And so that's what we're going to dive into today. We're going to talk about those six steps and we're going to start right now with step number one, which is, of course, assess and gather data. We all know by this point that in order to change, we need to understand where we're starting from. We need to know what our baseline is. And we also need to be able to define where it is that we want to be. And so part of this first step is all about defining what your goal is, why you want to change, what you want things to look like at the end of it all, and why it's important to you. And the problem is, is that so many of us are way too vague when we decide that we want to make a change, right? We we have this nebulous idea that I want to eat healthier, or I want to be less stressed, or I want to sleep better. And, you know, we have this general idea that we want something to be different, but we don't really know exactly why or how we want it to happen. And we certainly don't stop to really truly clarify why we want that particular outcome in the first place. 
The thing is, if you actually want to commit to something, if you truly want to make a change, the shoulds and the ought tos just aren't compelling or specific enough to be your guiding star through this. And without that sort of clarity, you'll have no way of knowing if you're actually making progress towards the change that you want, or even what progress actually means, how you're defining progress. So if you want to be healthier, what does that actually mean? What does healthy mean? Or what does less stress mean? And what specifically do you mean if you want to sleep better? And so the solution to all of this is to have both a clear, concrete, and specific goal along for reasons why that goal is important to you. Now, last week I talked about why I prefer to talk about this in terms of change rather than goal. And I think that's because change implies the process and goal is just the outcome. But it is essential that you are able to define that goal, you know, meaning what you want things to look like at the end of the change process. And, you know, in fact, this piece is so important that inside my Nourish Yourself Body and Mind course, we have a whole module devoted to understanding why you want to lose weight or change your relationship with food and why you think how you think your life might look different um, at the end of the day once you achieve those things. And this is because as you go through the change process and things get hard, you need to be able to rely on that compelling reason for change if you want to find um, the motivation or the gumption or the grit to keep moving forward. And so spending the time to actually sit down and identify and define what it is you really want and why this is so important, I think is the absolute crucial first step for this. And you can do this by asking yourself what you really want, what you actually want, including how you know when you're done and what difference accomplishing that is going to make for you in your life. So, you know, a better example than I want to eat better might be I'd like to stop eating when I've had enough food. And to move closer to that goal, I'm going to pause halfway through each meal to check in and see how I feel. Can you see how that is so much more specific and it's telling you exactly what you're going to do as you embark on this change? And what's important to note here is that when we talk about change and setting goals, we're really talking about our behaviors. So if you want to change your body, for example, it truly really isn't helpful to have a goal to lose 30 pounds, right? Because how are you going to, how are you going to do it? What's it going to look like? What are you going to do day in and day out to actually get there? So it really needs to be something that you are in control of and you really can't control the scale, right? You just can't. You could do everything right and still not lose that 30 pounds if that 30 pounds isn't going to be good for your body and isn't your ideal weight, right? But you can control the behaviors that will lead to weight loss. So you might have goals to stop snacking or to only eat when you're hungry or to limit ice cream to just one scoop. These are the things that we're looking for because these things are actually well within your control. All right. So once you gather the data, once you define what you want at the end of the day, what your goal looks like and why it's important to you, then we can move on to step number two, which is understanding your story. And really... We talked about this last week in that change always takes place in the context of your messy, messy life, right? It's not 
there's there's just never going to be the perfect time to change. And there's just never going to be a period of time where you're not having one obstacle after another creep up. And so stage two is really about being honest and looking at what is going to get in your way of actually getting the job done as you pursue this change. And you also really need to look at what actually truly matters on the journey towards making the change. Right. And so what I'm asking you to do here is to consider your life as a whole. So let's just say that you've made a goal to go to bed 30 minutes earlier to reach that change of getting more sleep. So what happens if you're doing something fun or important when your new bedtime rolls around? What happens if you have a big work project due in the morning? What if you have a big fight with your partner over dinner and you're still mad about it when you go to bed and you can't sleep? Right. The fact of the matter is things like this will always creep up no matter what change you're trying to make. And so to mitigate this, you really need to look at your life with a broader scope and look at all the different factors that might influence you. And I'm not talking about just looking at your work and home life, although that, of course, is very important. But we also have to look at your emotions and your environment, because all of this can affect your ability to make change, as we talked about last week. Think of this as as challenging yourself to always expect the unexpected, right? For me, there's always a chance that I'll have to go in uh, to work a shift at a last minute to cover a colleague or that I'll bring like a bug home from the hospital that will interfere with all of my plans, right? And my husband is notorious for not getting his household tasks done. And this often interferes with my ability to get certain things done around the house too, right? The weather might, might interfere with my commute to work and so making my drive longer right? The thing is, there's always going to be things that are going to pop up that are going to interfere. And so what I want you to do in this step is look at everything else that is going on in your life and see if you can identify what might get in the way of you engaging in your change and being really honest about that, right? And the reason why this is so important, and again, we talked about this last week, is that we need to approach this whole process with a sense of self-compassion and grace for ourselves. And this is one way that we can do it because of course these unexpected things are expectedly going to creep up. And if we can be upfront and honest with ourselves about that right from the beginning, then we have a much better chance of staying the course when we do actually hit these obstacles. And the other reason why this stage can be really truly important is because there's also other things going on in our life that are very important and sometimes maybe even more important than whatever change we're trying to embark on. And so we need to understand how we are going to prioritize our time and our energies and our efforts when more important or equally important things are competing for our time and attention, right? So this is the spirit behind stage two. And then stage three is to actually strategize an action plan, right? And so many of us are keen to just jump right to this step, right? To decide what we're going to do for the next three weeks or, you know, commit to you know, what, what we want to do for, for 2023, but without doing phases one and two first, you're not going to set yourself up for success. You're not going to have that strong foundation that's going to propel you forward when the times get tough. But it is still important that we actually ask ourselves, what are we really going to do to make the change that we want? And the biggest trap that I see people fall into here is setting goals that are either way too big or they're just 
way unrealistic. And part of this is because you aren't taking the context of your whole life into consideration, as we just discussed. But it's also because when we define change in its simplest terms, it's really just moving from point A to point B, right? And we define what point B is in the first step, but we often neglect to define our point A, which is where we're starting from. And Many of us have a habit of thinking that we're that we're doing much better than we actually are, right? And so when we set goals that we think are realistic, they aren't necessarily so, right? So for example, you might think that you're already sleeping seven and a half hours a night. So committing to eight hours doesn't seem to be that challenging. But if you start wearing your fitness watch to bed, for example, and see that you're really only getting six hours, then making that leap to eight hours might actually be substantially more difficult. And so in addition to defining that point B, you also have to know that point A, which is where you're starting from right now. And just like we gathered some data in stage one, we want to gather some data here as well and some good objective data that can that can guide us. So, you know, if the change that you want involves um, changing your nutrition, then just keep a food diary for a couple weeks just so that you can get your baseline of what you're actually eating right now. Or let's say you want to change how much time you spend with your kids, then actually record how much time you spend with your kids um, for a few weeks. Just get the data so you know where you're starting from. And this will allow you to be super realistic when you're deciding what your next step is going to be. And although the objective data is super important, subjective data is really important too, right? In this day and age, when we're like totally obsessed with tech, it's easy to just follow the numbers, but they only tell half the story. So let's say again that your watch tells you that you got eight hours of sleep, but you feel very tired and groggy and have difficulty concentrating during the day, right? You need to take that into consideration. Or maybe you see that the reason why you can't fall asleep at night is because you have three cups of coffee in the afternoon, but then you're also concerned that you won't be alert enough for your evening job if you don't drink the coffee, right? And this goes back to that last step of of looking at your change in the context of your whole life. And so you want to get a really, really good picture of your baseline, your point A, before you create your action plan. Okay. And then once you have that data, you can create an action plan for moving forward that is actually realistic. And we can look at this as a stepwise fashion. You know, we don't want to make a whole big change right out of the gate, but you can ask yourself, what is the first step that we can take toward the change? And that is really the crux of stage four of the the change process. And stage four is really all about choosing and testing out your next action. And so here you want to ask, what is the very next step you're going to take? Now, again, the temptation here is to just go hog wild and list 13 different steps you're going to take to reach your goal. And I can tell you, because I do this all the time, (laughs) that this strategy very quickly leads to overwhelm, right? This is my MO, and I'm telling you, it leads to overwhelm every single time. And I get why we all do this, right? We get super excited about our goals, and so we make this big, elaborate plan. And our brains actually really love this, right? Because there's some comfort in overloading our future 
selves because we often think that our future self will somehow have more time and energy and attention and motivation than what we have right now, right? This is why we famously say, I'll start tomorrow or I'll start Monday or I'll start on January 1st, right? Our brains just believe that things are going to be easier or better for us in the future. And of course, you know, we know that we already have busy, complex, elaborate lives and there truly is no room for more elaborate plans, whether that be tomorrow or today or Monday, right? And so we often make this grand plan without thinking about all the smaller tasks that are hidden inside the big plan, right? So if we don't complete, you know, step three of this process, then we also probably haven't been realistic about how we can truly fit it into our lives at the moment, right? Are you sensing the theme here? <laughs> how important it is to just take a step back and look at things with a broader scope when we're wanting to make change, right? And the result of doing all this is that, you know, when we make a big, huge plan, we start out on a huge high, right? It is super exciting, but then we very quickly stumble and fall because our ambition was just so, so big. And we probably also got trapped in some all or nothing thinking and some perfectionistic thinking because we all do. And then we end up blaming ourselves or our lack of willpower or our lack of discipline. And then we start to feel sorry for ourselves. So you see, starting out with a big, grand, enormous, impressive strategy is really a broken strategy, right? The better idea here is to prioritize things appropriately and then unpack the bigger ideas into smaller tasks and then being really realistic about what we can actually accomplish in our lives right now. And this means that you have to be honest about all the tasks you'll need to get done, but also what the trade-offs are going to be in order to get them done. And it also means looking at what matters the most and then figuring out what the first step will be. So you want to try to make this step as simple as possible, that first step that you're going to take as simple as possible to give you the greatest chance of success and something to celebrate early on in the change process, right? So here's, here's an example. I have long been struggling with um, my desire to include more movement in my everyday life. And when I first did this, and you know, you can go back on my social media, I think it was um, oh gosh, probably the winter, two two winters ago, the, the winter before last, I was out on a walk and I decided on that walk that right then and there, I was going to commit to moving my body every single damn day for the next 365 days. I whipped out my phone in the middle of this walk. I went on a Facebook live and I committed to the world that I was going to get this done. Now, I didn't do any of the steps of this change process. I did not define the reasons why I wanted to move every day. I didn't decide how that was going to look. I didn't know how I was going to do it. I, I didn't have a plan for what I was going to do on days where I felt like crap and had no energy. I didn't know what I was going to do on days where, you know, work unexpectedly got in the way and I spent 18 hours at the hospital and then just don't have time, energy or motivation to get the movement done. What if I injure myself, right? All of these questions were not answered when I made that commitment. And this is a perfect example of having just a really big, overly ambitious goal without, you know, considering the, the greater context of my life. And so, you know, 
a number of months ago, maybe maybe six you know months ago, I sat down and reassessed you know this whole strategy in terms of what I want to do about making this change towards daily movement in my life, and I got a hell of a lot more realistic. I started with just, you know, three, three days, I'm going to intentionally move my body. And I probably had to stick with that for two or three months before that was enough of a routine that I could bump it up to four. And when I did bump it up to four, that fourth day, it wasn't necessarily a workout. It could be anything. It could be going outside for a walk or going downstairs for a workout or just doing a stretching session in the living room, right? So I knew that adding that fourth day might stretch my time a little bit. And so I added all of that extra leeway to ensure that I was more successful. And now, of course, it's no big deal getting my exercise in four days a week. And for now, I'm quite happy about that. When I'm ready to move on, I'll sit down and do the exact same process in terms of looking at my the structure of my week and seeing, is it even possible for me to add a fifth day? And if so, how am I going to make that look to make it as easy as possible for myself? And also ask, what is the benefit of adding the fifth day? Is it actually going to reach um, reach me closer to this overall idea of wanting to feel healthier and more energetic and more limber in my life, right? And so I really need to do some thinking about whether or not the trade-offs in terms of my time and energy to add a fifth day of exercise is worth how I want to feel if it's going to add that much benefit for me, right? This is why change is so complicated. We need to go through these thoughts. Uh, thought processes before we take any action so that we are good and clear about why and how of the change process. And so I also, you know, related to that, suggest that you do what actually works versus what's ideal, right? And I know that I always fall into this trap of wanting to do things perfectly. And then I won't do it at all until I think I can do it perfectly. And so this might, back to that sleep example, this might mean instead of aiming for eight hours of sleep, you'll give yourself permission to focus on getting seven hours first, right? And so with my exercise example, that's what I did. I just started with the three days and I allowed myself the grace to not define how that was going to look. And I think I've spoken about this before, but I have I have a complicated relationship with weight training. I was told by so many people over the years that um, lifting weights and weight training and resistance training in general was the most important thing that I could do for my body in terms of my health, but also my weight loss. And so a lot of times I would catch myself having the thought that if I'm not weightlifting, then it doesn't count. And so if I wasn't going to go downstairs and lift weights for my movement that day, then I just wasn't going to do it at all, right? That's just how I was for the longest time. And so I really had to, you know, sit down and give myself permission to redefine movement in a different way. And, you know, even though I'm nicely settled into my movement habit now, um, I still find myself getting caught up in that thought pattern. And I, I kind of have to intervene <laughs> and, and tell myself the truth of it all. And, and so that is why I emphasize the importance of approaching all of this with some grace and self-compassion. And what I mean here is just kindly accepting the truth about where you are in your life and where you are right now, rather than judging yourself for not having the life that you wish you had right now, or for not being able to do things as perfectly as you wish you, that you could. And, 
you know, I would I would almost say that this stage is probably the most important, right? Because this this piece of grace and self-compassion is so essential, especially if you're like most of us who like to fall into that all or nothing perfectionistic thinking. Because it's just not going to be possible to do what you want to do perfectly day in and day out. You may be able to do it for a few days at a time, but you're not going to be able to do it indefinitely. At some point, you're going to fall down. You're not going to do things up to the expectation that you set for yourself. And when that happens, you need to be able to accept yourself with some grace and self-compassion. That is really the key to being able to get yourself back up and taking the next step and keep moving forward. So, so important. All right. So once you have settled into this realistic and very doable first step, you want to be able to engage in step five, which is observing and monitoring your progress and really just checking in with yourself to see how that first step of your change process is going. Now, of course, of course, we have to evaluate our progress, right? We need to be able to tell if we're moving in the right direction or if we have to do things just a little bit differently to reach our goals. But like everything else, we still need to be really deliberate about it. Right. The, the plan of just trying it and seeing how it goes isn't really helpful in the long run because it doesn't tell us how long it should reasonably take to change, to see change and how long we should continue trying before we decide that what we're doing just isn't working. And so we need to establish ahead of time when we'll make a decision about how well that new behavior is working. And we also have to decide at what time intervals we're going to stop and check in to do some evaluation. And that time frame, of course, has to be taken into consideration with all the other important things that we've talked about, such as what our what our starting point is and the unique circumstances of our lives right now, including all the other important things that require our time and attention, and then also how long it will reasonably take to see the effects of the change that you've made. Right. For example, here we go. Um, I only have day shifts at the hospital for the next few months. Super excited about that, by the way. And one of my goals during this time period is to have a regular sleep schedule and go to bed at the same time every night to see if that helps with my overall energy levels during the day. I know that it's going to take a little bit of time for my body to adjust to this change. And so I've decided to do a check-in every two weeks, and then I'll decide at the six-week mark if the bedtime I've decided on is making enough of a difference to continue on with that bed bedtime, or if I want to adjust it in some way. And so this is what I mean about being very deliberate and making decisions ahead of time based on how long we think the time is needed to make the change as well as the other things that are going on in our life that may affect it. All right, and then the last stage, the sixth stage, is to analyze and evaluate the results. And this is the sixth step that I added um, in between last week and, and this week's episode recording. And, you know, the the reason why I've added this is because I think we often forget to pause and reflect on whether the steps we've taken are actually working for us, right? You want to look back and ask yourself, did you actually do your behaviors consistently? And if you didn't, what was getting in the way? And asking yourself, you know, if it's because it just felt too hard, is there a way that you can make it a little bit easier? Can you go back to that step where you're identifying your next step and can you make it smaller, more doable, a little easier for you? 
Or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you were 100% consistent and things were starting to feel uh, second nature to you. So then you can ask, like, what is the next step that can bring you closer to that overall change you're looking for? So, you know, a good example of this is when I initially started with those three days of movement, of working out, and that started to feel like second nature. And then I decided to add that fourth day into my week, right? And so that's what we're looking to do in this stage. And as part of the stage, you also want to reflect on your life as a whole, right? Because things change as time goes on. And we really want to see if you can start to see a relationship between those new behaviors that you're doing and what's also happening in terms of the rest of your life and the change that you're wanting to make, right? And you want to do this regularly enough so that you can note these changes as they're happening. So as I embark on these next few months of committing to the same bedtime every Every night. I really want to make sure that I'm taking note of how I'm feeling during the day and what I'm maybe having to give up in my nights to go to bed a little bit earlier. So, you know, for example, um, I'm choosing to go to bed at about 9.30 to 10 p.m. every night, and I'm getting up at about 5.30 every morning. And one of the things that I've already started to become aware of is Rob prefers to stay up late and wake up late, right? So he'll stay up on, you know, with his video games or doing whatever till past 11 o'clock. And he works from home and he starts at eight and he'll usually roll out of bed at 730. You know, and so we don't get to spend a lot of time, you know, in bed together when we're both awake. And that has some implications for our marriage, right? I've been looking at taking some art classes lately. There's a, a drawing class that I want to take. And it goes from seven to 10 um, in the evening. And it's about a half hour drive away. And so I have to decide, like, what's more important to me, taking this art class or committing to my sleep schedule, right? So, so you can see how we really, and I'm going to emphasize it again, have to look at your life as a whole and really see the effects that the changes that you're making and the new behaviors that you're doing are are showing up in the rest of in the in the rest of your life and you want to implement those time frames you decided in the last step right so you know for example i've actually marked the days of my calendar where i'm going to sit down and reflect on my sleep every two weeks and to make that decision about my bedtime at the 6 week mark i've actually put those in my calendar so i don't forget to do this very very crucial step and, you know, one thing that I want to emphasize, because, you know, if you're like me and want the A plus, you know, the gold star on your evaluation, you, you know, you, you might, you might be disappointed in yourself if you didn't live up to your expectations or if you, you didn't experience the change that you actually wanted to at the end of all of this. And so it's super important that you approach this with a sense of curiosity rather than judgment, right? Especially if things haven't worked out the way that you hoped that they would. And this is really not about evaluating yourself and assigning a grade. And it's definitely not about beating yourself up. It's really just about looking back and figuring out what works, what doesn't work, how you can tweak your action plan to get the results that you're looking for. All right. And then this cycle just continues over and over and over until that change that you had wanted to make feels like it's a habit, feels like it's an everyday part of your life. And, you know, this evaluation piece at scheduled intervals is super important because you're 
priorities might change, your desire for that change might change, right? And you don't want to be engaging in behaviors that are not ultimately bringing you closer to to what you really want for your life. And so this this taking pause, this taking time to really sit down and reflect is super, super important. And I know that it might sound a little overkill to actually schedule time in your calendar to reassess how things are going, but I really feel that it might be the most critical piece. So when I looked back on, you know, that year and a half of trying to implement daily movement, you know, that was just so much, well, wasted time for sure, but also wasted emotional energy because I was constantly beating myself up if I didn't make it down to the gym on on certain days, right? And it was really starting to wear on me and I was getting sick and tired of it. And if I had just sat down to reflect on what I was doing, why I was doing it, what I ultimately wanted at the end of the day, what was working, what wasn't working, what the realities of my current schedule could actually allow for. You know, had I actually done that months and months and months and months ago, I probably would have been at my goal so much longer ago than I am now, right? So going through this movement challenge I gave myself was such an eye-opening experience. And engaging in these steps over my recent months to get more movement in my life has been completely successful. And so using this process actually really works. And, you know, I I think, you know, if I look back and if I could, if I could put my finger on the one thing that allowed me to be successful, it was really this piece of understanding that I'm going to have bad days. I'm going to have days where other things in my life get in the way. I'm going to have days where I just don't want to move and already decided deciding ahead of time what I'm going to do about that and allowing myself to have some self-compassion when things just didn't go my way. That is truly the thing that allowed me to get to where I am today, which is having this movement as as part of a necessary part of my week. You know, enough so that I'm actually doing it when I'm on when I'm on vacation because it's just like as as natural as, you know, drinking water when I wake up in the morning. It's just something that I do. And that's what I wanted at the end of the day. And I want that for you too, whatever change you're wanting to make. So I encourage you to put these six steps into action. And if you need to, go back and listen to the episode last week again to just emphasize for yourself how important it is to give yourself the grace and compassion as you go through the very, you know, difficult, messy process of change. All right, that's all I've got for you this week, and I cannot wait to be back in your ears next week. Have a good one. Bye for now. 